welcome to Kingwood United Methodist Church. Thank you for joining us today. Wherever you're listening from and whatever service you're listening to, we strongly believe because of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, there is always more to life. We all have heroes. More than superheroes of the comic and animated world like Superman or Batman, Real heroes, not portrayed by actors that some will find familiar in the words of John Wayne and in this congregation, others like Vin Diesel. The authentic heroes of the faith are those whose lives and accomplishments have shaped our lives and they've given us hope. And sometimes that hope is born from words of comfort and encouragement. Sometimes those words are born of challenge and correction. Some of those heroes are not aware of the courageous role model that they were for us as individuals or even our communities and larger world, but they are heroes, women and men, young and old, fearless and faithful. Some heroes are people that you've never met, but their approach to life in the midst of a particular season has spoken through the pages of history or a digital format and has encouraged you and helped you to be faith-filled and hopeful. The stories of our heroes and heroines of the faith have become part of our story, and they're an integral part of who we are. Every All Saints Sunday, I wear my late father's stole from Jerusalem that I have on today. I don don his cufflinks that say, Jim, and in a way what I feel like is if I'm draping myself in his very presence for the way in which he nurtured me through the years, and you bring people in your memory that day people here now. I think of those that we have journeyed with that we could add at the back of Scripture when you hear the words, all of these were living by faith when they died. That's Hebrews chapter 11, verse 13. It's the bedrock of why we gather today. It's the bedrock of our hope. And so as we gather today, The text we've chosen as a clergy team to bring before you today is from Hebrews chapter 11, verse 32, through Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2. Now, before we get to this text, there's been this long line of names that has been read, but it still continues as we pick up in verse 32. I'll invite you to stand as you are able out of respect to the word of God. And what more shall I say? I do not have time to tell about Gideon, Barak, Samson, and Jephthah, about David and Samuel and the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice, and gained what was promised, who shut the mouths of lions, quenched the fury of the flames, and escaped the edge of the sword, whose weakness was turned to strength, and who became powerful in battle, and routed foreign armies. Women received back their dead, raised to life again. There were others who were tortured, refusing to be released so that they might gain an even better resurrection. Some faced jeers and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were put to death by stoning. They were sawed in two. They were killed by the sword. They went about in sheepskins and goatskins, destitute, persecuted, and mistreated. The world was not worthy of them. They wandered in deserts and mountains, 
living in caves and in holes in the ground. These were all commended for their faith, yet none of them received what had been promised, since God had planned something better for us so that only together with us would they be made perfect. And now let us all read these two verses out of Hebrews chapter 12. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. On Jesus, the pioneer and protector of faith, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the hand of the throne of God. This is the word of God for you and me, the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated, and as you are, let us pray together. May your spirit, O God, come and stand between me and your people, so that the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts together would be shaped, formed, and molded into the good news of the gospel of Christ, in whose name we have gathered, in whose name we pray, and in whose name we will seek to serve faithfully as we depart this place. And all of God's people did say, Amen. I see a lot of faces that I've journeyed with this past year in times of celebration of the life of your loved ones. I've said before and will say again, one of the hallmarks in my memory when we come to remembering the lives of the faithful is to understand the word in the Greek for time as being kairos. Within the biblical record, chronos and kairos are two words that are used the chronos is a linear kind of time, like the chronography of your watch or a calendar. That moment has been and never will be again. But the word kairos is the fullness of a moment. It is the undergirding and expression of our, uh, the prison ministry because of the fullness of moment that happens when someone who has never heard the good news of the gospel or is now in a place to receive it, has a life that is filled and external circumstances may not change, but everything is different on the inside and there is hope where there was nothing but despair. Amen. The best illustration I can give for Kairos and Jan McAllister, all of your friends are once again this year going to call you the, pet, the pastor's pet. Because as I give this illustration, you'll understand why Jan makes sugar cookies. And they're the closest things to what my grandmother made. My grandmother was Danish, my mom's side of the family. My great-grandmother lived in a dugout. Literally, they dug out outside of Wisconsin in a place called Denmark because they came from Denmark to Wisconsin. They dug out in the first winter. They lived underground in Wisconsin in a hole in the ground. It's a rugged life. All of my mom's side of the family are dairy farmers, and they're part of the horse pulling association of things. And whenever I go to visit, I come back here, you know, and I keep a talking like I've been up there for too long, you know, and say things like Packers. So, and if I were, um, if I were um, the Packers quarterback, Aaron Rodgers, I'd say vaccinated. So anyway, <laughs> sidebar, immunized. Whenever I would be in Wisconsin, my grandmother would make sugar cookies. They were so good they could convert the devil. I mean, for me, they were, they were, they were pressed out, shortbread. And I don't know if it was lard or sugar. All I know is they were big and thin and crisp. 
And she would take those tins that fruit cakes used to come in. Remember those? And she would tape it around the edge and she'd put it in the freezer and put my name on it. And my male cousins would terrorize me because grandma likes you. I said, I don't get to eat these all the time, right? I can remember in the moment I would go to visit in the summer, they had no air conditioning in the home. And while the summers are nice outside of Green Bay, up to the north, there can be a few warm days. And whenever she would cook in the kitchen, and they didn't have indoor plumbing until 1956 in the house she has, and she would bake in the kitchen, and she would slowly start to sort of perspire. And if you went to hug grandma while she was cooking, you were in danger. My grandmother used Aquanet, which was actually the precursor for super glue. And, and what would happen is she would sweat and you would go to hug her and, and she was a hugger and you would embrace her and you'd get up really close and then some of that Aquanet would be diluted with sweat and you'd come away like this and your lips would stick together. <laughs> you know, and, and, and so when I smell a sugar cookie today, I have a Kairos moment, a fullness of moment, Right? I'm taken back. I can remember exactly what it was like to walk on the conglolium in that kitchen. Now, I'm dating. uh, Some of you know what conglolium is, and some of you don't. And there's a clear decade break in the congregation at this moment. Conglolium, for those of you who are novice, had little spikes of hard plastic in the linoleum that when you were in a climate that was either humid or wet would keep your feet from slipping. But if you went barefoot, you felt it. And I can feel, when I smell the sugar cookie, the texture of the conglolium underneath my feet. I can feel my grandmother's embrace. I'm taken back in the kairos of a moment. I remember the smells of the kitchen and what happened when the wind came from the north off of the lake through the barn and into the house. All those things I remember when I smell a sugar cookie. It's a kairos kind of moment. We gather today in a Kairos kind of moment together. The writer of Hebrews says such marvelous things that remind us of the triumph of the faith. Not everything was perfect for folks. Go back and read chapter 11 and find out all the splendor and all of the struggle cohabitating together in the memory of the people. And the amazing thing within this text that we often overlook is Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2. That when... Christ had completed all that he had done. He sat down at the right hand of the Father. Now we say this a lot of times. We even say it at the creed. But there is a backdrop of significance that echoes through the ages we miss too often. When a teacher in the Hebrew tradition was going to teach and take the scrolls as if Jesus would be teaching, he would, in Luke chapter 4, would on the road scrolls, they would teach Usually, they would stand while they're teaching. And you would know that the teaching and the work was done when the one who was leading sat down. When, the, when there was a sitting down, it meant it's finished. The work is done. And so when we read in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2, that the pioneer of our faith has conquered death, has thrown open the doors of heaven to God's eternal embrace, he sits at the right hand of the Father, death has been conquered. Pain and hurt remain, but the church triumphant has opened its doors for all eternity. Thanks again for joining us for today's message. We will return to the sermon in a moment, but first, 
We would like to ask for you to rate, share, and subscribe to our podcast. We believe God is doing some amazing things here at KUMC, and your feedback helps our church to reach new listeners that we wouldn't otherwise be able to reach. Now, let's get back to the work. Brian Buckenhout is a pastor who I read a lot about, and he tells a story, and I can connect with him now as he talks about his grandson. He says that no matter where his little grandson goes, his grandson's got a little backpack. And in that little backpack, he's got all of his little figures. And he'll get some place, whether it is, and he says literally, it goes with him everywhere, and I mean everywhere. And he'll pull out all of his little figures and play with them. And then when time comes for cleanup, he'll pick them all up and put them back in his backpack. I love that imagery because in many ways, the biblical witness, God's word in scripture, is our backpack of the heroes and heroines of the faith. They shape who we are and what we think. They help us make sense of our own journey and relationship to God. The stories of their faith, their failures and moments of forgiveness, their strength and their valor in the moments of change and challenge, their timidness but their tenacity, their denial and yet their moments of dedication in our memory is what fuels our faith. And we are reminded of that clearly. This is actually my backpack that uh, when I travel to the Holy Land or have special trips that I take with, it's, uh, it's by Mystery Ranch. It's one of those indestructibles ones. It's so, in, you just can't tear it, you can't rip it. It's not like the 1595 thing. It's, it's my traveling pack. It's pretty much waterproof. But even when I travel and go places, you know, uh, I want to close the imagery of the sermon with the idea that there's just so much that this pack can hold. And it's not accidental that the writer of Hebrews tells us that when our focus is on Christ and we remember the great cloud of witnesses, we should throw off every weight that hinders us and the sin that so easily entangles us. You see, the gift of freedom as we are created with the freedom to choose, choose to be faithful to God or to fall away to give God a rationalized excuse and a no or a absolute surrender of yes is metaphorically like a spiritual backpack. And the question is, what's in yours? The pack will handle just so much. Do we fill it with those moments of regret and anger? Do we zip it up in the morning and uh, start packing in all of the negativity in the world that we see around us? so that we wake up on the wrong side of the bed and we stay there all day is our own particular nuances and frustrations are fueled. And to quote my good friend Jim Welch, the media that lies to you every day fuels your fear. Friends, we have to choose to make room in our spiritual backpack for the good, the things that nourish us, the things that sustain us, not the things that weigh us down. But the terrifying gift of God and freedom is that we get to choose what goes into our pack. Maybe today as you come for communion, or in the context of Holy Communion as names are read, 
you might remove what weighs you down. And if you don't know what to put in, then let it be one of the names in the long line of splendor that encompass us now as a cloud of witnesses that makes the distant heavens a home to our hearts. Because Christ sits at the right hand. Death is defeated. Pain may remain, but hope will never leave us. I was reading in these past couple of weeks in preparation for today and came across this Norwegian proverb that says this. A hero is one who knows how to hang on one minute longer. A hero is one that knows how to hang on one minute longer. Hold on, church. Hold on to your faith. And if you're in a place where it's difficult to hold on to your faith, then let the faith hold on to you. Let us pray. God, as we approach this table, as we are mindful that we bring all of our experiences together, moments of joy and laughter, would you help the tears in our remembrance drown out the pain of loss? Would you help the memory of those who have guided us in the faith to be a lasting memory and a perpetual presence to us for the years to come? Oh God, we are grateful for all those that you have used to guide and instruct us in a life of faithfulness. For this we pray in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. And all of God's people did say, Amen. Christ our Lord invites to this table, his table, all who love him, who earnestly repent of their sin and seek to live in peace with one another. Therefore, friends, let us confess our sin before God and with one another. Merciful God, we confess that we have not loved you with our whole heart. We have failed to be an obedient church. We have not done your will. We have broken your law. We have rebelled against your love. We have not loved our neighbors, and we have not heard the cry of the needy. Forgive us, we pray. Free us for joyful obedience. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. I invite you to a moment of silent confession. Hear the good news, friends. Christ died for us while we were yet sinners, and this proves God's love for each of us. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. Glory to God. Amen. The Lord be with you. And also with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right and a good and joyful thing always and everywhere to give thanks to you, Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth, God of Abraham and Sarah, God of Miriam and Moses, God of Joshua and Deborah, God of Ruth and David, God of the priest and of the prophets, God of Mary and Joseph, God of the apostles and God of the martyrs, God of our mothers and our fathers. 
God of our children to all generations. With that confidence, we now come before you as your people on earth and all the company of heaven. We praise your name and we join in their unending hymn. Holy, holy, holy Lord, God of power and might, heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Holy are you, and blessed is your Son, Jesus Christ. By the baptism of his suffering, death, and resurrection, you gave birth to your church, delivered us from slavery to sin and death, and made with us a new covenant by water and the Spirit. On the night in which he gave himself up for us, he took bread, gave thanks to you, broke the bread, gave it to his disciples, and said, Take, eat, this is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. When the supper was over, Jesus took the cup, gave thanks to you, gave it to his disciples, and said, Drink from this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant, poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. And so in remembrance of these, your mighty acts in Jesus Christ, we offer ourselves in praise and thanksgiving as a holy and living sacrifice in union with Christ's offering for us as we proclaim the mystery of faith. Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. Pour out your Holy Spirit on us gathered here and on these gifts of the bread and of the cup. Make them be for us the body and the blood of Christ, that we may be for the world the body of Christ, redeemed by his blood. Renew our communion with all of your saints, especially this day those whom we name before you now. Phyllis Adams, Shirley Archer, Lawrence Boyd, Larry Brady, Joe Brassfield, Jack Cade. Marlene Canty, Smokey Cothran, Carol Covey, David Dixon, Lori Duty. Martha Fetterman, Ray Fleming, Lee Fowler, Chet Frazier, Anita Hahn, Phil Lively, Jerry Manis, Ron Martin, Linda Miles. Scott Miller. Kathy Patterson. 
Don Pfeiffer. Michael Rousseau. Bob Schmid. Bill Taylor. Carol Thomas. Carolyn Trainer. Jack Turner. Bill Vidak. Kenneth Wall. And to prepare you now in a moment, what we're going to do is I'm going to gesture. And for a moment, we're going to speak out loud the names of those that are extended family, those who have died in previous years, and friends. It will be a Pentecost kind of moment, but you are invited to speak those names out loud together now as we remember our family and our friends. Since we're surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, strengthen us to run with perseverance the race that is set before each of us. Help us to look to Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, and by your Spirit make us one with Christ, one with each other, and one in ministry to all the world until Christ comes in a final victory and we feast at his heavenly banquet. Through your Son, Jesus Christ, with the Holy Spirit, in your holy church, all honor and glory is yours, Almighty God, both now and forever. Amen. Amen. And now, with the confidence of being the children of God, let us unite our hearts together in the words of the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen.